Hello, everybody. We thank God for this opportunity to lay the foundation of true leadership. In our previous lesson, we started to explain the first of three elements we need as spiritual leaders. In this lesson, we will finish the explanation of the first element, igniting the spirit. Man without the spirit is self-centered, and the solution to self-centeredness is a new heart. A new heart solves the concentration of the self, because the thoughts of his mind are in error and he judges poorly with his conscience, those two engines of man must be repaired. Our most inner part is our heart, not understood as the muscle that pumps the blood, but where spirit and soul dwell, and it needs to be restored. And what could be a trap here? Man does not know his heart. We do not know ourselves. Instead, God will use people, situations, to show us what is in our hearts. One of the men of the Bible who is described after God's heart was King David. And he prayed to God, asking that his hidden mistakes be revealed to him. He knew he didn't know himself. But since we can be trapped by pride, by the self-centered man, we say quite the opposite. I know myself. I know what to do. I will follow my heart. And we are going to stop falling into that trap because we do not know ourselves. What attitude should we start to have when we address a problem? When we are in the middle of a challenging circumstance, that God is going to bring someone who is going to speak to me and that person is going to make me understand that God will raise a test through which I'll find the answer. We are going to start abandoning those ideas that have been taught to us since we were little, like asking God for patience. I cannot ask God for patience hoping that in two weeks I'll be patient. Instead, God will put me through a difficult circumstance, maybe a very, a very noisy neighbor, maybe driving late in traffic, so that I develop patience. If I have problems of anger, if I answer badly to my spouse, if I answer badly to my children, if I am totally irritable, then God will raise circumstances so that I may begin to manifest what is in my heart and begin to leave my wrath behind. Likewise with people who are jealous, for example. We must go through tests because they are the best thing that can happen to us. Many churches teach otherwise. And I actually met a person who told me that God's children do not go through tests. And well, we had a difference of opinion there, so I pointed her to scriptural references so she could see that it is through tests that God restores our hearts. Tests must be wanted, must be loved, just like an athlete expects competition to put his or her skills under test in order to improve over time. Many expect to run God's race 
sitting on the bench. Naturally, many actually pray to God to get rid of these tests. But again, it is their souls refusing to lie to the Spirit because the soul is always afraid. They make the mistake many people do of entering a test by their own means. Many want to help others with their own effort. But when that becomes a burden and they say, Oh, God put me under this test. But the truth is, no one sent him to do that. People do not need to make up their own trials in order to lie the Spirit. God will send the trials and we need only discern them and accept them. And one thing we are going to abandon is trusting our hearts. It is utterly pretentious to believe we know our hearts because the heart is deceptive. It is the most misleading thing above everything else. The famous phrase that I should follow my heart is categorically false. There is only one who knows our heart, and that is God. God wakes our hearts, and only He knows everything about us. What do we need to do? Ask God to reveal what is hidden in our hearts, just as King David did. That is how we will start understanding what needs to be changed within us. There is a reference from the scriptures that I treasure and believe. From the book of Proverbs, we learn that he who trusts in his own heart is foolish, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. Then let us not be foolish trusting our hearts, but let us trust that our Father God will create tests and challenges and that he will put the right people in our lives to begin to expose our heart so that things that must be changed are brought to light and we begin being restored and transformed. How are our hearts going to be changed? When pride diminishes and a servant's heart begins to emerge, we will be leaving behind the desire of being on top and wishing to be under a very powerful principle. There are people who only want to be the boss when the most powerful thing for God is to be under someone else because that is the point where all His grace empowers me. Our emotions will stop being out of control. We won't perceive offenses and we'll start letting them go. We will stop pretending to be someone else and rather be humble, sincere, and transparent. We will stop pretending we know everything and understand that real wisdom comes from listening. Our words will be few and will be attentive to those talking to us. We will stop looking for recognition, wishing for congratulations, and rather be simple doing things with no selfishness, without seeking reputation. In what leadership course are people told not to look for reputation? Don't look for recognition. When what people are looking is just that, being recognized and praised. We'll be leaders seeking correction, believing others know more than us. We will stop being self-sufficient and the center of attraction and rather 
raise our hands and ask for help because that is the true leader. And that is how we are going to stop being focused on ourselves to be focused on others. Those are the real leaders. Those are the leaders that people are looking for. Those are the leaders that people will be certain to get the solutions from. They are going to say, this is a person with no anger, who is humble, listens, has self-control, and receives advice. That is the person I want on my team, in my business, in my community. Those are the spiritual men and women that everyone will want because they are scarce. So when we understand that we need a new heart to recover God's original design, we begin to understand our true identity. True identity is not my personality. My identity is not to be funny or shy. It is not to be good at sales or management. My identity is not to be melancholic, choleric, or sanguine. And here, I need to mention what many leadership programs sell following this scientific study of personality traits, defining people's desirable roles in life after portraying their personality and trying to find a best fit. Are they meticulous? Are they strategic? So they give people a copy of their personality test that may say, for example, a mixture of melancholic choleric. And that's how they are supposed to lead. And this, well, might be useful to understand the kind of job I'm suited for, but what has been solved in ourselves? Nothing. We have the same self-centered person with a personality test under his arm who has been told he's going to be a leader. This is a call to failure because the root of the problem is not being attacked. The problem is spiritual and we have to solve it spiritually. We need to understand true identity and its dimensions. And interestingly, identity has five dimensions. Number one, I have to understand where I come from. And I come from God. Number two, I must remember that I was created in a spiritual order. I am not what the personality test shows. I am not what others say about me. I am not the person who might have made a mistake and was then labeled as a bad person. That is not me. I am what God says about me. And God created me as spirit, soul, and body. And that being is who I am. Number three, I must know what I have. And what I have is neither my house, nor my car, nor a retirement fund. That is not what I have. Those are attachments that God allows on this earth and will come in the time and measure that God determines. But what I do have is a spiritual heritage because I come from Him. And when I am aware that I am His Son and I come from Him, I begin to inherit that spiritual essence. 
then what I have is spiritual. It is not material. Number four, why did I come into this world? Did I come to work? Did I come to have a wife and children? Did I come to save money and travel the world? Is that what we came into this world for? No. We came to fulfill a purpose from God, not our purpose. I need to start understanding that purpose to know what it is, because by Him I was created, and He is the one who knows what He made me for. I should not expect to be like my neighbor, because surely God didn't bring me to be like Him. I am what I am, as He determined, and I must understand what God specifically made me for. God put in us skills, gifts, talents, and specific characteristics, and I must understand how am I supposed to use them. I can, for example, use a hammer as a doorstep, but that's not the hammer's intended use. Like that hammer, many people are frustrated and don't find the worth in their lives because they're not sure what they came for. They pretend to be something they were not even made for, enabled by traditional leadership. And finally, I have to be clear where I'm heading. Personal roadmaps and life plans are good. I am not going to say they're wrong. I personally have used them and I think one should set goals and objectives. That's, that's clear. But what should we be aware of? That it is God whom begins to show me the road as I recover my identity. In my case, I had an, a plan 20 years ago. That plan changed 10 years ago and five years later had dramatically changed, being totally different two years ago and radically different now. Many say that their plan is God's plan, but they are running after their own goals, their personal achievement, ruled by their souls. But I must be sensitive to what God shows me. I can meet some goals I had set under a plan, but I must be attentive to what God is showing to me. We are constantly trying to find a better plan because we don't understand God's plan. And here we understand that an, an excellent spirit is the real goal. What will it be in our lives that is evident as spiritual? The spiritual man will clearly reflect an excellent spirit. The spiritual person does not manipulate. It is not irritable, does not criticize, is submissive, kind, not cynical, is warm and sincere, cooperates, is direct yet flexible, and honest, is reasonable, truthful, respectful, and trustworthy. That person is patient, has constant discipline, is firm but tolerant, discerns, forgives, is comprehensive, candid, unpretentious, frank, straightforward, has sense of humor, does not complain, is merciful, and does not look for mistakes in others. That is the spirit of the leaders who will emerge at this time. That is the spirit of the leaders who listen to this teaching. This is the spirit 
that I am convinced is being to be formed in each of you. Because that is what God says. And God never lies. So this is us. This is the profile of the spiritual being. Men and women who have an excellent spirit. Finally, uh, as a conclusion, and for you to remember always, as spiritual leaders, we need the government of the spirit. Leadership material can be great, but it is useless if we have not restored the government of the spirit. We must start by awakening our spirit so that it begins to rule our lives, begins to lead. Only the spirit knows the problems of man. It is not our souls, because with the leadership of the soul, we will be guided by a deceptive heart. Have that curved in your heart, that our divine order is spirit, soul, and body. Spirit and soul become one, but spirit must be above soul. Do not be persuaded by false theories and incorrect doctrines that create confusion around spirit and soul that make the spiritual and the religious the same, or that start from the basis that everybody is or will become spiritual. Our spirits remain unlit because we remain turned away from our Creator. But with this restorative word, a transformative word, our spirit is ignited so that we can emerge as the true leaders God counts on and that this world cries for. Final reminder, we are explaining three things that must happen in order to have a true, authentic, legitimate spiritual leadership. We have covered the first element, our spirit must be ignited. In the next lesson, we will cover the second and third elements that complete the series. As you believe and treasure these words, God will make us understand the path He determined for you to become a spiritual leader.